Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined as always during football season with my main man, Dave Simone. We've got a big show on tap. We're going to talk about Saturday's upcoming big game with the Temple Owls, probably Cincinnati's toughest test, definitely Cincinnati's toughest test to date as they travel to Philly and try to move to 7-0 and on the season and 3-0 and in the American Athletic Conference. And if you are planning on watching that game on Saturday at noon, join us at Tass Brewporium, just like their beefy namesake, Tass Brew Company, Brewing Company. is a massive state-of-the-art brewing facility with tasty food, freshly poured beer. Stop by one of their two locations, Tass Ale House, an 1850s church-themed multi-level brewery and full-service restaurant located in the heart of Over the Rhine. Or maybe you're looking for a more upbeat environment. In that case, where we'll be, you can head to Tass Brewporium. They feature New Haven-style pizza in a relaxed atmosphere, a tap room with over 15 brews to try, plus plenty of bar games and TVs. Visit taftsbeer.com for info on hours and more. Dave, we had a blast there with our live podcast with Tony Pike on Saturday. And you will actually, uh, you'll be in town. You'll be making an appearance appearance at the Brewporium for the watch party this week. I will. Looking forward to it. Had a great time last weekend. So excited to uh, hang out with a bunch of UC fans and uh, watch the game Saturday. How, how many beers did you try? Or pizzas did you try, I mean? Uh, I think we had four different ones. Had a, had a little birthday bash, so it was about 10 or so family uh, in attendance. So, yeah, it was excellent, though. I was very happy with our selection. We, we had a great turnout, and Tony was uh, – I think that was the thing everybody was surprised with was uh, was, was Tony being really funny. Um, I, I think that's uh, – as he has gotten into his broadcasting career post-playing days and leading the Bearcats to the Orange and Sugar Bowl – uh, very funny dude, and, and we had a great time with that podcast. So uh, come on out and join us this week. I'm guessing 11.30 or so, and uh, we're going to be on the main side <laughs> of the bar this time uh, instead of in the back. So more TVs. We'll have the projector uh, on the wall, and uh, it'll be it'll be good quality times. But to get a preview of Temple, I'm going to turn it over to Dave. He's going to talk to Ryan Wallen of Owls Daily on 247sports.com. So, uh, Ryan, welcome in, and Dave, have at it. Thank you, and thanks, Ryan, for joining us. Uh, first, just kind of want to start with Temple season to date has been interesting, to say the least. It seems like the first month or so, things weren't going, you know, I think the way anybody in Philly probably had hoped, and then the last few games seems to be getting back to more of the Temple that we have seen under Jeff Collins and, and even Matt Rule a little bit before that. So just kind of give our fans a little insight into what happened in the beginning of the year, what's changed going forward, and kind of where things are now. We're pretty much at the midway point of the season. Sure, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Interesting is a very accurate word to describe Temple's season. You know, it, it started off with a, a very heartbreaking and uh, painful loss to Crosstown FCS rival Villanova. Um, that was a game where Temple really just, you know, they looked sloppy. They couldn't really get anything going on offense. The defense was backing off of uh, Villanova receivers, and, you know, that was allowing them to just, you know, move three, four yards at a time and just 
sustained drives and, uh, you know, Temple just couldn't come through in the clutch at the end. And then they followed that up by dropping a game to a very, very solid Buffalo team. But that was still a game that uh, a lot of Temple fans expected them to win. You know, uh, a lot of people didn't expect them to start the season 0-2, especially after last year winning four of their last five and, uh, you know, capturing the Gasparilla Bowl over FIU. But then Temple bounced back and on the road at Maryland, a Big Ten team, a Power Five team. And for the most part, you know, they dominated Maryland. They they didn't allow an offensive touchdown in that game. Um, and they held Maryland only 195 total yards of offense. So that was a very impressive win. And uh, since then, you know, their only loss has been to Boston College. And that was a game that Temple was in until late in the fourth quarter when uh, – BC just put, you know, a, a late touchdown on the board to make it a 10-point victory for them. So, you know, Temple Temple's had a shot in every one of their last five games, and they've really been in every game this year. And so this, this team, yes, they have three losses, but it, it could very well be a situation where they they had six wins coming into this game. But that's not where they stand right now. They're four wins. They're looking for two more to get to bowl eligibility. They have UConn at the, uh, the season conclusion, so these next four games for uh, Temple are definitely tough with Cincinnati, Houston, Central Florida, and South Florida coming up. They need to find one more win, presumably, in those four games to get the bowl eligibility, so uh, uh, Saturday is obviously a big game for them. Starting out the year, you know, expectations were, and I, I imagine he, he did start out the year at quarterback with Frank Newtile. But over the last several games, he's been replaced by Anthony Russo. Was it an injury situation? Was it a performance situation? And then what have you seen from Russo as he's gotten more game reps and gotten more comfortable over the last several games? Yeah, and – Frank Newtile, you know, he took over uh, at the Army game last year for Temple. Um, he, he became the base of the program, really, and that's why he earned the number eight single-digit jersey. Uh, and Jeff Collins says he's the face of the team. And at the beginning of the year, he looked like he was going to be the guy, and, you know, people thought he was going to be, you know, in contention for possibly AAC Offensive Player of the Year. But Obviously, like I touched on prior, the Villanova game wasn't his best. He uh, had a couple sloppy interceptions in that game. And then the Buffalo game, it was kind of a little bit of a similar situation. And then uh, Coach Collins revealed after the Buffalo game that Frank had suffered an injury in that game. And then that's why he was unable to start uh, against Maryland. That is when Anthony Russo got his first start, uh, first collegiate start. So, and he's just been the guy since, and he's got, he's had the hot hand, as I touched on prior, he's uh, Temple's four and one since he's taken over as the starting quarterback. Frank's had a little bit of an up and down as far as his injury. He's had a little bit of a nagging issue, but uh, it, it, Coach Collins said last week that Frank was completely healthy and he was ready to go if needed, but it looks like right now, you know, Anthony Russo is the hot hand and he's the guy and uh, i I don't blame Coach Collins for sticking with the redshirt sophomore because, you know, Russo's really uh, he's really improved his game. He's really developed into a very, very consistent quarterback for Temple. And, you know, they really hadn't had that since the departure of Philip Walker in 2016. 
And, you know, Russo's got a, he's got a great arm. He's a local kid from Philly. So he was very, you know, highly recruited and very highly scouted by Temple coming out of high school. And he had committed to Rutgers, decommitted, and he was even getting looks from uh, Les Miles at LSU before Les had uh, left the Tiger program. So he's, he's definitely got the, the resume and he's definitely got the talent to be a quality quarterback in the American for a very uh, long time. Now, statistically speaking, he has six touchdowns and seven interceptions. Is were the the interceptions kind of rookie, so to speak, mistakes, unfortunate situations? Is he kind of a gunslinger? Just kind of describe his play in general and his style of quarterbacking. You know, a lot of his interceptions actually have not really been his fault. Uh, the, there was a stretch of a couple games there where Temple's receivers had back-to-back games with seven drops apiece, and several of those resulted in interceptions by the opposing team. So, yeah, his uh, his interception total doesn't look great right now, and, you know, some of them have been just, you know, growing pains and him just getting game action. But, but for the most part, you know, he's – He's made the smart decision when you need him to. And, you know, Coach Collins has said that he does not feel worried about putting the putting the game on his uh, quarterback's shoulder. As as uh, people saw last week, even against Navy, you know, Temple was down 17-7 to in the third quarter. And then Russo led a comeback, and he, uh, he threw a dime to Ventel Bryant there in the fourth quarter and 62-yard touchdown pass that, would eventually be the game-winning scorer. And so Russo definitely, like I said, he has a cannon for an arm. He has the ability to run if needed, and Temple played with that a little bit against Navy in the first half. So I expect to see a little bit more of that thrown into the game plan, I think, this week against Cincinnati. But Temple really doesn't need him to do a whole lot in that department because, as I'm sure people have seen, that Temple likes to rotate their quarterbacks. They bring in specific guys for specific packages on certain drives of the game and they will possibly use three four quarterbacks in a game uh the fourth being isaiah wright who's a a dynamic weapon he plays wide receiver primarily but he he also runs the ball and he played high school quarterback so we've seen him get a chance to throw the ball this year we've seen todd Santeo throw the ball who's temple's third string quarterback and we've seen frank uh for a couple plays since he's come back so Temple's definitely going to keep it interesting. They like to mix it up and get defenses off balance. So, But uh, Roos is the primary guy. He will be the primary guy on Saturday. And I, I'm excited to see what he can do against uh, Desmond Ritter because I think both both quarterbacks are going to be very good quarterbacks in this league. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they you know, face off for the next couple of years. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to Temple's running game, Raquel Armstead is, far and away the leading rusher when it comes to yards, carries, touchdowns. Uh, I know he didn't play last week against Navy. Kind of what is his status for this game? And if he can't go, you know, what are the options as far as backups that Temple will use? Of course. uh, So Coach Collins said that Armstead's healthier this week than what he was last week. He said he wasn't really in good shape uh, heading into that Navy game. He he actually got off the bus in a walking boot, so I, it seemed pretty apparent right then and there that he was not going to go uh, against the midshipmen, but uh, he, he has not practiced since 
sustaining that injury against um, against East Carolina two weeks ago. Uh, he's day to day. I I would say right now I would be leaning towards that he's probably not going to go. But you know I I, I wouldn't bet money on that at least because Rockwell is definitely a tough guy and he's he wants to play. He played through uh, two turf toes all of last season, you know, and that kind of hindered his numbers a little bit last year. But if he can't go, I think you're going to see a lot of what uh, Temple did against Navy where they, they use Jagger Gardner in more passing situations, Robert Travato, who's a fullback. He'll be in for more short yardage situations. And then I think Another guy that they're really going to try and get more carries this week is going to be Tylee Brainer, who he was another guy that was very highly recruited out of the Philadelphia area in high school. He he sustained an injury earlier in the year, so he really didn't get to see much playing time until a couple of weeks ago. Last year, he, he definitely showed his potential on a 15-yard run. He only had three carries in the game, but he had a 15-yard touchdown run where he really, you know, put some moves on Navy defenders and uh, – I think he'll see more carries this week if Rock can't go. Even if Rock can go, I think that uh, they're definitely going to try and get him more touches. Defensively, Temple's always been strong, and it looks like this year is no exception, especially in the past defense. If you were to kind of you know, give a grade over the first you know half of the season, where have the Owls been the best defensively, and where is, some, where is somewhere that you would anticipate UC trying to take advantage of them. Yeah, I would say that the best aspect of Temple's defense has definitely been secondary. And, you know, that coming into the season, that was a big worry for Temple because they had to replace three starters who who graduated. And, you know, a couple of them went on to the NFL and Sean Chandler. So uh, Temple had to do that, and that was that was going to be very tough. You know, they had Delvon Randall, who's been the anchor of the safety position the last couple years there. But, you know, you had to start a guy in Benny Walls who really – he had gotten playing time, but he never really had a chance to start uh, for the Owls. Then you had Linwood Crump coming in as a starter, who he was a slot corner primarily his first two years at Temple. And – then you get a graduate transfer from uh, Presbyterian College in Rock Yasin, who, who has really lived up to the hype that he has, and he's brought you know a lot of veteran leadership to Temple. He earned a single-digit jersey as well within a couple months of being with the program. So I think that just speaks a lot to his character and his abilities. And you know NFL scouts have been raving over Rock, and he's had a heck of a season so far. Um, you know, he's got two interceptions. He leads the team with pass breakups. And, you know, I think quarterbacks are really hesitant to challenge him now because I think they've seen what he can really do. Um, I would say definitely the weakest aspect has, or most inconsistent aspect, I would say, is the pass rush. Um, earlier in the year, Temple's defensive ends had a lot of injuries, and uh, that that's definitely was an issue against Villanova and Buffalo. They could not really establish a pass rush against those two teams and I think that's that's really a big part of the reason why Temple ended up losing both of those games because they had all day to, the opposing team quarterbacks had all day to throw and uh, but since then Temple's gotten their defensive ends back they've been healthy they have 18 sacks on the year right now so not terrible numbers um, so I, I definitely think that that has been an improvement over the year but 
I would still say the front, the defensive line is probably the area of weakness for this team, even though they have shown, obviously, their moments of dominance, like against Maryland, where they they shut down the Terrapins' run game, and they were a run-first team. They shut down Tulsa's run game and uh, held them only to, like, 3.2 yards per carry on 60-plus rushes in a game. So uh, I, I would say that that's something to watch out for is if the Bearcats can get the run game going on Saturday. It could open up the passing game, but I'll be interested to see how uh, Luke Fickle and uh, his staff game plan the Temple secondary as well as, you know, just trying to get Desmond Ritter comfortable against uh, a very experienced secondary now that has probably two NFL players in it. Turnovers, it seems through the first six games have been a, a big boost. I've noticed that, you know, in almost every win, they're generating multiple turnovers, and I think they've scored a, a non-offensive touchdown in five of the six or seven games. Has that, I mean, obviously that's going to help any team, but have they, what have they been doing to try to increase those numbers? Are they a more pressure team defensively? Have they, uh, I know they, I think they play a lot of press man coverage so is that something that you see is when they can get those scores in unconventional ways that it's kind of been a big boost to the whole team yeah of course and uh even the offense has said you know especially with a guy like anthony russo who was making his first collegiate start to get uh some non-offensive touchdowns in that game against maryland two of them to be exact uh one coming via fake punt play and then one coming via pick six he said, you know, that obviously took a lot of pressure off of him to to be able to go out there and just, you know, let the ball fly and, you know, just take some shots against Maryland. And like you said, that uh, it, it has been a big boost. They scored a non-offensive touchdown in their first six games of the year. And, you know, that streak was snapped against Navy, but to still have seven non-offensive touchdowns through six games or and now seven games, that's that's a pretty good average, I would say, and obviously that's helped boost their scoring. That's obviously helped just build some momentum and build some hype. And, you know, Coach Collins is very, very preachy about getting the ball, and they, they you know, have their own hashtag of hashtag get the ball, and they have their own turnover whiteboard that they uh, they allow the players to put their Twitter handles on after uh, they, they force a turnover or get a turnover. And, uh, you know, the players can go – give that ball then to any coach that they want on the sideline. And then that coach has to do push-ups afterwards. So there's definitely some incentive there for uh, Temple players to create turnovers and, you know, him and defensive coordinator, Andrew Thacker have definitely made that a priority. And they, they, you can definitely see they focus on that in practice and in even pregame warmups. Awesome. Well, I think that's all I have as far as questions. Chad, do you have any? Uh, just one. Uh, Freshman defensive lineman from South Carolina whose name is escaping me right now. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, from uh, Hilton Head. Yes, I, I'm name's escaping me as well, but I know who you're talking about. Not doing anything I'm, yet? Probably a red shirt? Yes, he, he is okay. going to red shirt. Temple has, uh, Temple's only played about four or five of their true, true freshmen um and those players have seen extensive game action 
including uh, at the right tackle position. Temple starts a uh, true freshman at right tackle, um, uh, Adam Klein, who's out of the Episcopal Academy up here in Pennsylvania. So uh, that's definitely going to be a matchup to watch on Saturday. I definitely will like to see how he uh, holds up against a more experienced and improved Cincinnati uh, defense. And I'll be interested to see how, uh, if, if he does struggle, if Temple will make a switch and maybe put in a bit more of a veteran in James McHale. Tyreek Young. Yeah. That's who I'm thinking of. I, I He camped at UC, and I think when he camped at UC, he was like 190 pounds, and he dominated at every position on the defensive line they put him. No, nobody could stay in front of him. And unfortunately, UC had a really good recruiting class on the defensive line last year. They didn't have room for him. Uh, but that's a kid I would keep an eye on out there because – he was really impressive when I saw him two summers ago at camp. So I was just curious if he had if he had seen the field yet. But I, I they list him at six three two zero eight. I figured it was probably unlikely that he would as a freshman. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, that's that's pretty much all I got. Good stuff, Dave. Got it. And uh, I appreciate the call and. Are you? Uh, will you be there on Saturday? Yes, I will be. All right. Well, enjoy the game, and uh, thanks for coming on and joining us. That's Ryan Wallen of Owls Daily on 24-7 Sports. If you want more on Temple and to read the uh, perspective from the Temple side of things leading into this game, uh, give Ryan a follow. Give his, uh, give his page a, a, a look, and uh, plenty of great Temple coverage there. Ryan, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks to Ryan. Good stuff. And uh... yeah. Ryan reached out to me earlier this week, so I answered a few questions for those guys. So I'm sure that article will be up on their board uh, before game time for anyone that wants to check that out. Yeah, uh, good stuff over there. I, I, I've checked out a couple other things uh, leading up to the Navy game uh, and then for the Navy game. And uh, they do really good work. So uh, I've been very impressed with the uh, the Temple site on 247sports.com. All right, Dave, let's uh, let's move it along. A couple things. I've got a couple notes uh, from practice this week that I that, – Ryan, you can go ahead and hang up, brother. All right, thank you. Thanks, man. Um, a couple things from practice this week that uh, I thought were interesting – uh, we'll see, you know, how they play out going forward. I think there's some things that are uh, – they're at the point in the season where they're they're kind of experimenting with some things, toying around, you know, you know playing with some things to see what kind of look they get. Uh, one right. of them was, was Blake Basevich moving from that jack defensive end hybrid kind of position, uh, moving him out to outside linebacker. And uh, I, I think that's an interesting move because I, I thought it was a, a, an, a bit of an odd fit with him on the defensive line because he's got the size and athleticism, I think, to be a pretty disruptive outside linebacker. Um, I know those Jack guys are kind of, you know, Ethan Tucky's a smaller guy, but Ethan Tucky was also running 10.8 second 100 meters. Like he's a right. – He's a different level of uh, athletic ability. 
Um, but I, I liked the that that thought process of at least seeing where you're at right now with Basevich on the outside. Yeah, I mean, why not? You're in a you're in a bye week. Um, he's not gonna be one of the guys that you know plays more than four games in all likelihood. Um, so you know, why not give that a look? See what see how he reacts. If he feels comfortable, then maybe you practice the rest of the year with him there, and maybe it's a introduction to something that we see full term over the summer if not not really any time wasted you know it's that's that's the i think that's the great part about a bye week it's the great part about freshmen it's the great part about this new red shirt rule is that it allows you to experiment a little more and then especially in game situations to get a feel for who can handle certain roles and responsibilities yeah and i mean if you're looking long term You've got Michael Pitts there, and he's had – I don't think he's had a breakout season, but he's had a solid season. Um, I think he's had a couple times where he's gotten to the quarterback and hasn't finished the play, um, which is something that he needs to improve on. But you've got him there, redshirt sophomore. You've got Tucky there, redshirt sophomore. And you've also got Maje Sanders, who's a true freshman that, that's going to redshirt. I mean, you've got three guys at that position. You're pretty set there long-term. And I think Basevich is a guy that they really want to get on the field. And then you've got a couple guys coming in behind them in this 2019 class. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do think, though, Maje has already played in every game other than the UCLA Yeah, he has played special teams. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But regardless, no, your your point still stands. Is, is, yeah, you, you have that that longer defensive end that they had been trying to find. And I think Blake was always going to be more of a strong side, set the edge, run-stopping defensive end anyway, which you obviously need. But, you know, you could maybe use him better at an outside linebacker position because they're clearly trying to get more size while keeping, yeah. while keeping the speed and athleticism at linebacker. So, you know, in that regard, it makes sense to see if it's something that can work. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you've got R.J. Potts there. You'll have Perry Young for another season. You've got R.J. Potts there. And then, really, there's not anybody behind R.J. at that outside linebacker position um, that is that has really stepped up, I would say, to this point. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think I think it's a good fit for Blake. Uh, I think it, it it allows him an opportunity to kind of be in a better spot on the depth chart. Um, the, I, they also uh, and and this is probably getting a look for the future. They uh, I saw Elijah Ponder a little bit at that strong side defensive end. He had, he's had a, a nice had a nice year when he's gotten in there. Yeah. He's, for the limited amount of plays that he's made, and even if though it's against, you know, sometimes second and third teamers and some blocks, he's he's made plays, and that's what you want to see. Is if you're going to get in there, we don't care who it's against. You know, we want to see you flash. And he's, you know, he has a forced fumble uh, in the was it the two lane game 
or no? Um, one of the home games, the one that Perry Young had the long ret- the return on, maybe it was OU. It was, um, it was Ohio. Or no, it was um, but, uh, Alabama A&M. That's when Perry oh, okay. hurt his foot. Yeah. So, but, I mean, he's, he's definitely making plays. So, uh, another guy on the defensive line that can st- step in there is, is always welcome. I think it's interesting as we're seeing this whole thing kind of develop. I think they kind of see – those that those two defensive tackles and that strong side defensive end, they kind of see them all in similar light. Like obviously, you know, the, the guys, the the guy that's that's over the nose tackle is going to have a little bit different responsibility. But I think it 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 harkens back to what we kind of talked about in the in the summer. A lot of what they're doing is this hybrid three four four three. Well. Um, because of the yeah, jack position, because of Brian Wright. The jack position, it's Brian Wright, and it's it's the offenses that you're going to play in this league. They're going to be – they call it dollar. I mean, they're going to be in, in more of a passing defense anyway, so you kind of need you know, your best – you don't want to be taking your best defensive lineman off the field because it's third and ten, so we got to find a way to – move Cortez to defensive end, rush Brian right. You know, so they're kind of trying, it seems like like what you said, they're trying to make those defensive line positions more interchangeable and not just, okay, you're the nose and you're in on first and second down and then you come out on third down and this guy goes in. So, you know, to try to make it that they have their best players on the field as much as possible. Uh, another thing I saw that I, I thought was um, interesting as we get to that point where uh, there's four games left or three games left, I guess, now because oh, I'm waiting for clarification. We're not sure how the red shirt rule is impacted by a bowl game. Oh, we're not? I thought it didn't. I just figured it didn't count. I, I'm waiting on a specific definitive answer on that and hopefully here i'll get one but uh i noticed one player has lost his uh his his practice squad jersey and that being wide receiver michi harris and for a wide receiver core that has been okay i don't think they i don't think they've had nearly the struggles that they had last year um, I, I think there definitely is still a need to continue to push the talent level up. Michi Harris, uh, for those that didn't follow along or for those that have, have joined since the uh, the camp coverage, uh, there was he, he had a nagging injury uh, through high school that he re-aggravated at the beginning of camp. He missed pretty much all of camp, uh, rejoined the team when they got back to campus, has been on the scout team, um, pretty much throughout and then nobody was on scout team last week obviously because there wasn't an opponent to prepare for um, right and then you come back this week and there's 18 in white and he's running quite a bit with the second team apparently uh last week he mossed somebody for a big time <laughs> play down the sideline and i think that's when it was like all right <laughs> let's uh 
let's let's get Michi a little bit more involved and see where he's at. He was one of the higher-rated recruits in this class, Dave. You get him in the mix in those last four games, that might change a little bit on offense because he's kind of that that total package guy at wide receiver. He's got good speed. He's got good size. He's got good hands. Runs good routes from what I've seen. Um, obviously, without him being a camp, we didn't get the extended look at him like we did pretty much everybody else. But he's starting to look as advertised, and that's evidenced by no longer having that yellow jersey on at practice. Well, for sure. I mean, like you said, the wide receivers as a whole have have not been bad by any stretch, and they've been, I would say, better um, than maybe even much better than they were last year. They're certainly yeah. they're certainly testing defenses with more over-the-top attempts than they did last year. Obviously, some completed, some not. But it's still a position group that you're not in a situation where you're going, well, these are our top six, and there's no chance for him to crack it, so let's just you know keep him on scout team. You know, you have your special – seems like they've settled into some special packages, um, you know, especially when they're in run-heavy sets, Jerron Rollins and Cleo Lewis are the two guys that are pretty much always in there. I've seen, so Pierce, kind of I've seen sl- Pierce a little bit in that group too. Yeah, he they was li- in they- more so at the beginning of the season. I haven't seen yeah. him as much late in probably the last three games when the games have still been, you know, in doubt. Um, and then you've got your, you know, your other guys, but it's really still only five or six guys. So there's no, you know, if he's making a play for, for time, then we know what the way the staff is that they're not going to be afraid to put him in. Now that kind of brings me to a question that I had for you Given that they've started six and zero, and the injury that Josh Wiley had, he now seems to be able to play. He's been in full contact for the last couple of weeks. Do you think they'll play him? I think they'll play him four games, but not right. But not, but still try to redshirt him. I think you almost have to at this point. I, I don't. I mean. If they were struggling at tight end, then I can see it. But you're not struggling at tight end, and you're not in desperate need of an extra playmaker at that position, I don't think. Um, right. I agree with that, and then I also think if this was two games ago, maybe and, maybe, back, and yeah. they still had eight games left, but six games left and you're so close to that four-game cutoff, yeah, it's the, that's where I'm I mean, at. How, much, how many snaps is he really going to get? Right. That's where you I'm know, at. I'll mean, tell you what, like, though. He's talented as can be, and he might be the best tight end they have. But right <laughs> now, how many snaps is he really going to get Right. to to justify burning a red shirt with, where he only gets two games, and then you, and you can, then you can red shirt him? He made... An incredible catch down the sidelines to end practice on Tuesday. Um, so good, and this might this might be the perfect time to not play him too with at right. Temple at SMU. You know, Temple. I think we can get it. We'll get it, you and I'll get into the Temple game a little bit more, but then the SMU game, and then 
outside of ECE, you got probably your three of your four toughest games left. So if you're going to use them, use them in those games. He made a catch about 35 yards down the field, down the sideline yesterday that was so good they ended practice with it. <laughs> the offense went crazy. Everybody in white ran down the field and mobbed him. It was like his official welcome back. Um, I'll tell you what, man. I I did not expect this when I met that kid. That kid is tough as nails. I mean, and he is – He's got that that pretty boy kind of, you know, private school, mm-hmm. uh, you know, soft, if you will, look about him. That kid's tough. He talks well, the, trash. The other, that's the, that was what I was going to say. That's the funny part to me is he likes to talk. Yeah. Loves to talk. So you, so you know he's itching to get out there and make some oh, plays. He's dying. And, he's dying. But uh, – but I, I still think that at this stage, it probably it's probably a disservice to him, really, when you think about it. Yeah, to put him out there in these next two games, when he's what's he, what would he get at the most? Probably five to ten snaps. Yeah, and that's and that's probably game. if it's a blowout. And that just a, that's not a, that's not a good thing for him as a as right. a player. So I, would I, hope I agree that completely. They would resist the urge, maybe. To, to play him in, in five of the next six games. I tell you what, he's going to be really good, man. He's going to be that's, really, really good. That's why good. you play him in the, in the last four. I agree. You got him for four more years. I, I completely agree. This is a kid, I and uh, I think I've talked about it here a little bit. This is a kid that in high school, and again, he's got that look like he's not the toughest kid in the world. There's a dust-up when they're playing Fairfield after after the whistle. And him and Malik Van are face-to-face. And Josh is ready to go. Like, Josh is ready to go. And Malik Van in high school did, did not look like he belonged in high school. <laughs> Malik Van, as we've talked about before, Malik Van is a kid that was not allowed to contact the Fairfield offensive line in camp last year because he sent one kid out with a concussion and broke another one's leg. Like, that's not a dude you want to step to. And Malik got in his face, and Josh gave him a little shove, like, let's bring it. Come on, let's go. And it's that the kid's got some spunk to him. Uh, I That part, I didn't know about him until I got to know him. The more I took, like, it, keep this here. Keep this between us. So he, he comes back out the first time I see him without the red jersey, uh, without the, you know, injured, protected, non-live action jersey. I said, Josh, where's your red jersey? I thought you were moving to quarterback. He said, I burned that bleeping thing. I'm ready to play. Like, All right. <laughs> All right. This, the, the, this one's a little different. This one's a little different upstairs. Um but yeah, that that's those are my uh, those are my little notes from uh, from practice on Tuesday. Um, I think you know as we're getting to that point, I think you could very well see uh, quite a bit of Josh Wiley and Michi Harris as we get into the that final stretch of the season. Uh, which I mean, you're talking South Florida and Central Florida. What better time to to unleash two new weapons than you know right For at the sure. end of the year? I mean, I, I think that would. Uh, you, you talk about coaches in the sitting in the press box looking at each other, going, "Who in the hell is that?" 
oh, yeah, that's just a couple of those uh, big-time freshmen that they recruited that are just now getting onto the field. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at um, Temple, uh, I know know you're a big Owls guy. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, huge, huge friend – Fran Dunphy fan. Hey, the AAC next year we can actually name it the AAC Coach of the Year Trophy, the Fran Dunphy Trophy Memorial. The Fran Coach Dunphy. of the Year Trophy. Yeah, <laughs> Fran Dunphy, not to be confused with Phil Dunphy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean they're playing really well. Like this is going to be by far the biggest test for this team. You've got some advantages coming off the bye and that you can – and Luke talked about this Tuesday. You can self-scout. You can look at your tendencies and try to do some things to break up your tendencies, uh, try to do some things to catch them off guard. But you're also, you know, a week off, and, and you never know how a team is going to respond, especially early. And this team, for all their success, they have still – had some problems hitting on all cylinders right away in a game. Um, they've got to they've got to come out to a solid start in this one and get Temple on their their heels and be the aggressor. I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is. I mean, we talk about UC's defense and especially UC's pass defense, number one pass defense efficiency in the country. Temple's number seven, and. They're going to be up in the face of the receivers. So this is going to be a huge test for the receiving core, and it's going to be a huge test for Desmond Ritter. And for for as good as he has been, he has still only played six games. So on you're on the road. You're playing what, in my estimation, is by far the best defense that they will have played so far. Like It's not even close. Um, so just how are you going to react? How is the team going to come out? How will they be able to run the ball as effectively as they have been to help him out? Will they, you know, play more, play more of Charles McClellan and Tavion Thomas and run more outside Just certain things we don't know. Um, I think it will be a huge deal if, uh, Reichwell Armstead can't play. He is, he has over 600 yards rushing for them, and the next closest person I don't even think has 100. Yeah. So he's definitely they've been their feature back. Their wide receivers are probably going to give us the biggest test our defensive backs have had so far. They have a little bit of everything. They have some, some real big, long guys. They've got Isaiah Wright, who is, fits into that flash-type guy that Ryan talked about. He'll play some quarterback. They'll definitely do some – jet sweep with him they might put him in the backfield and just hand him the ball so I know that it's a totally different team but they have not really ever played well in Philly since you know back when they were in the Big East and then or in the American whatever it has been but you know even the wins that they had was I think one was 14-10 was a very ugly game so it's just been a place that they haven't played well at for whatever reason. So, you know, this is going to be one of those games where you just hope that, you know, they make as few mistakes as possible. As Ryan said, seven non-offensive touchdowns, that's a pretty insane number 
for for six games, and they're just going to have to try to withstand any big rushes that Temple puts on them. Prediction? I hate to do it, but I'm going 27-24 Owls. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think 31-28 Owls. I hate to it. I think there's I, – I just – well, I mean, let's. I mean, if we're being, if we're trying to be realistic and not just total homers, they're probably not winning that UCF, and they're probably not going eleven and one. I would, of course, love to be wrong. So, if you think that's the case, and a nine and three, ten and two season is definitely possible. This is probably the second most likely loss. Yeah, I, the one thing I, I really, the one thing that could make me really wrong on this is that this defense is as good as their numbers say they are. Well, I just don't think like, and that, but that's something you can't predict until you see them play a team that has an offense. Right better than, like, whatever Miami's was in a total monsoon. So you can't even count them as having the best offense that they've played because I, that that game doesn't even count. So I think they're better offensively than Ohio U. But that second half, Cincinnati dominated Ohio U's offense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying I... No, no, no. I'm just don't, I'm, I'm don't talking through it. I'm not, away. I'm not doubting yeah. you. We're just talking through it. I... I want to pick Cincinnati in this one. I really do. But I I just think this is one that it comes down to the wire and Temple might squeak it out late. Yeah, I mean, but again, maybe we're, you know, I can totally see a path to Absolutely. similar, you know, similar results as what we've seen so far because I mean, yes, they have a different quarterback than they had against Villanova and Buffalo, but I'm not sure it should really matter who your quarterback is against Villanova and Buffalo at home. Uh, they hammered Maryland, so this is kind of it, – it, and it's almost shaping out kind of like the Tulane, what we talked about, like take out their high and low, and what are they? So, you know, they hammered East Carolina, who's terrible. They got hammered by – or they hammered Maryland, and then they had BC put 45 on them, 45-35. So, you know, they're probably not as good as they have been against a couple teams and not as bad as they were in the first two. So, you know, I think if UC can run the ball with some success early, then it might change how they have to play defense and that would that's obviously UC's goal in every game is is to basically bludgeon you in the first half and make you bring guys up and then we start slipping the tight end out we start you know hitting some other passes so and you know Ryan mentioned freshman freshman tackle that's probably going to be an issue for Cortez and, and Kamani and those guys. So, you know, 
Armstead doesn't sound like he's going to play. So, you know, it's kind of just, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be a toss-up type situation. You know what? Screw it. 31-28 Cincinnati. I changed my mind. Yes! You talked me out of it. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be an excellent game. I think I think it's going to be a game you should join us at Task Brewporium. The only problem for Taft, though, now is, is if they lose that, if they lose Saturday, how many people like me will be superstitious and say, well, we can't go back because they lost? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Everybody will be back. I mean, they beat UConn and everybody was there, right? Yeah, and Coleraine might be able to beat UConn. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that is that is very 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 fair. Um, I'm I'm trying to find my Trace Pontas read, and it's eluding me. The production value of this podcast tonight has been off the charts it's my birthday i don't even want to be here <laughs> found it i need some coffee apparently and if you need coffee <laughs> you should try trace pantas they sell freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you the coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately every bag of beans we ship has the roast date clearly printed on it so you know your coffee is fresh they offer gourmet coffee beans and four roast profiles, light, medium, dark, and French roast. They ship the coffee to you in bean, pre-ground, or K-cups. A lot of K-cup people out there. So they, they do sell K-cups. Fresh roasted coffee tastes the best. There's a huge difference between drinking coffee that's been freshly roasted versus even just a few weeks old. All the coffee you find in your grocery store and even gourmet food stores has been sitting there for weeks. Weeks. Trace Pantas offers a unique opportunity to drink coffee immediately after it has been roasted and shipped directly to your home. You can find Trace Pantas coffee in two easy ways. First, you go to their website, www.tracepantas.com slash coffee that's t-r-e-s-p-o-n-t-a-s dot com slash coffee all coffee orders are roasted fresh for you and shipped out immediately like i said the 12 ounce bags or the k-cups whole bean and ground coffee you can choose between light medium dark and french roasts. uh what you want to do you go to the trace pound test website you sign up for a coffee subscription and get freshly roasted beans sent to you every one two or four weeks that's your choice when you sign up for a coffee subscription, you save 10% on every bag of coffee, but listeners of the BCJ podcast get an extra 10% off by using the code BEARCATS at checkout when buying a coffee subscription. This means you get 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription with the code BEARCATS, www.tresponta.com slash coffee. Get your subscription today. See, I struggled to find it a little bit, but I nailed the ad read. You did. That was that was high level. That was maybe my best Trace Pantas ad read that I've done in the this the month and a half that I've been doing this. So uh one last thing before we get going. Are you are you heading to Princeton High School tomorrow night? 
No. No. What do no, you mean not. no? It doesn't interest me. Well, if you were going, what would you want to see? Uh, let's see. What would I want to see? I would want to see man get hurt. Well, yeah. Uh, I would want to see Jaron Cumberland make every shot that he takes. <laughs> He's been doing a lot of that in practice. I will tell you that for sure. And I want to see Mamadou do a between-the-legs 360 during the game. And get sat on the bench for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. And, and laugh while he's getting yelled at. <laughs> uh, I think it should be a good event. We are we are getting ever closer. Did you watch the final Hard Hat Wednesday today? Oh, of course. Those, those are my favorite things that happen every other Wednesday. I'm sad Sad the last one. Go. Yeah, I know. I, I am excited though. They on uh, on tonight's Bearcat Inside Bearcat Sports or whatever it's called. They they did a little video. Dan Horn and uh, Mike Bone, and they were up in uh, Bearcat Journal Twitter's seats showing some shots. So it looked uh, ready to roll for for me. Like from your seats, your specific seats. No, well, not technically. My my row in where my seats are, but okay. not my two seats. No, that would have been pretty sweet if they were actually in your seats. No, my my seats are right in front of the new uh, Queen City bar. So that that's even making my decision to sit there even better. You mean to tell me you're going to actually try to tell me that that wasn't on purpose? I didn't know. I didn't know that that bar was there when we picked. When our you seats. selected your seats, you didn't know there was a giant bar with all local beer. No, no, I knew there was a giant bar, but I didn't know it was going to be that particular bar. It could have right. been the the other one. No, I I got the bar with the Ryan Geist, the Mad Tree, the Braxton. I think there's going to be some tasks there as well. Well, that would be excellent as well. So yeah, so my my seats there are only two rows, and there's a bar right behind it, so I should never miss a single action, single second of Bearcat basketball. While also enjoying many beers. <laughs> well, that's a given. Well, I mean, but, you know, sometimes you have to miss action to enjoy beers. You should be, so you, should, I don't, you should not so I don't be in that position. Tweet games. You should not be, well, you could, you could have tweeted while you were in line. Yeah, you gotta do something. I'll send out some nice, nice pictures and some nice tweets. Definitely at the uh, exhibition game. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I I think what I'm gonna do for that. I just we just got the uh, email today. There's going to be a ribbon cutting ceremony uh, for the media prior to the first exhibition game. I think the plan is to live stream that on Twitter and Periscope uh, at Chad Brindle. So I what will time, be, do we know what time that is? Is it at night? Uh, no, it's no, it's like at, I think four thirty that afternoon. Uh, I was going to say, if it was at night, I could, I would attend, but now you, you, uh, you've got a job. You're not, you're no longer unemployed. I know you've got a job now. So you're going to have to, to tend to those duties. That's right. Um, but, I think I'm going to try for everyone. I'm going to try to live stream that. And uh, 
since I would have to then be there, I think I'm getting there at like four o'clock on the first. Um, I'm also going to, I think probably, uh, do a, a little bit of a live periscope of me kind of walking around and, uh, giving the people that, that are out of town or aren't going to be able to attend the exhibition game, kind of a, uh, a glance at everything. So, um, that'll be a big day on my Twitter. Um, obviously Berg and I will be, uh, both at the scrimmage. I believe I haven't actually confirmed with Berg yet. I don't know with him anymore. He's a wild card right now. Complete yeah. total wild card. Um, he sh- I expected, I expect that he'll be at the exhibition. I'm not sure if he'll be at the, the scrimmage tomorrow night, but I will be there. Um, my main man, Brian Baker is back in to do some pictures for us, uh, this year. Um, I'll also, I've got, I've got my new toys, so I'll be taking some as well. Uh, we are ramped up and ready to go for Bearcat basketball action and the second half of the football season. It's a very exciting time. It is. I mean, we, we haven't time. had we haven't had this for for several years. So it could be a very very fun uh, November, and December for uh, Bearcat football and basketball. Yeah, very very excited about that. Um, also got word today you, with the skinny what podcast. Are looking, what oh, am I sorry. looking for? Uh, I yeah, what say, are you looking forward to seeing tomorrow night? Um, I mean, just a lot of the stuff that I've talked about. I, I want to see. It's hard when they do inner squad stuff because I want to see what I want to see is Jaron and Kane playing together and playing off of each other and how that dynamic works. But they're going to be on, they've been on separate teams. I expect them to be on separate teams again tomorrow night. So I don't get to see that dynamic. Um, That's really for me, for this team, those two guys can both really score. Jaron's the best passer on the team. Kane is not far behind. Um, So to see how they operate together, I think would be really, you know, that's, what I'm looking for more than anything. Um, I want to see Trey Scott play like he did last Friday at the scrimmage, the, the, the closed scrimmage that I saw. I thought he played really, really well. Uh, I thought Logan Johnson had a stretch in the first half of that scrimmage where he played really, really well. Uh, and Mick has pretty much confirmed that, that Kane is going to play off the ball, which means there's going to be, there's going to be minutes for Logan if he plays well. And I think he has the ability to kind of, to make this team different when he's on the floor because he just attacks and he gets to the rim. He, he's still learning. He's still picking up, you know, how they want the defense to be run, how they want him to execute offensively at times. But his natural instincts, his aggressiveness are there. Um, I think him and Trey Scott are two that I'll probably have the closest eye on uh, tomorrow night. And then – when it gets to November 1st and the, the grand reopening of Fifth Third Arena, I really want to watch the, the dynamic of Kane and, and Jaron Cumberland playing together and, and how well they play off of each other on the wings. Um, I think that's it, bro. You were going to mention something about your skinny podcast. Uh, we're, 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 we're back on for this year. Uh, I think we're cutting back to one day a week. I think we're just doing on – we'll – 
Record on Sunday nights, release on Mondays uh, for this season. So you'll, you'll still get your skinny podcast fix. You'll get it one day a week, and you'll like it. So you'll, so you can still turn it off when Chad's done talking about UC and that other guy starts talking about that other team. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but, you know, if you play, it gets a play. So the, the views will be, you know, the, 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 the podcast listens will be the same if you just listen to the UC part. Um, I, you know, if you want, you can listen to it all. I, it, it's hard for me to listen when I'm in the room, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, I think that, uh, that about wraps it up. Dave's got Temple. I've got Cincinnati. Hopefully I'm right uh, and he's wrong. So, yeah. Come at me when when the Bearcats improved seven and zero Saturday. Yeah, that that's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, also, gear five one three shirts dot com. We've got sweatshirts, we've got t shirts, we've got red helms, we've got a really awesome design. And I gotta say the 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 the, the folks at five one three shirts. I was really struggling with how to do a Bearcat Journal design because I didn't want the big Bearcat Journal, like, logo. Like, where I, I wanted it to say Bearcat Journal. I didn't know how to perfectly execute what I – the way I wanted it. The the Bearcat Journal B in the middle and then the circle with Bearcat Journal around it. Great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, the sweatshirts are strong and just in time for some uh... – Late fall home games. And, and, you know, perfect for uh, sitting out by the fire pit in the backyard, having a couple drinks after a uh, Cincinnati win at Temple in Philly on Saturday. That's right. And, uh, you know, the Red Helm stuff is ready to ship. Uh, I think the Bearcat Journal stuff will be ready to ship here soon. Uh, They've also, they've got some stickers, some uh, with the logo, the BCJ stickers, and then... um, there are currently uh, young people in in Asia working on the uh, the hats. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we'll have hats. On that, here. on that note, we'll have hats here shortly as well. I of you know sixteen year olds, young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming up with the uh, the hats, and we'll have those soon as well. Uh, but that's yeah, gonna that, just like just like in basketball. Yeah, that's gonna wrap it up. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks to Ryan Wallen uh, from Owls Daily on 247sports.com. Good stuff from him on Temple. We'll see you next week. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.